listening to Sleep Nation Station Podcast, episode 10. Could be more, we don't really know, but we're here with one of my best friends, Brandon Hillis, Mr. Monkey, as he's also known. We've known each other since kindergarten, Mr. Brandon Hillis. Yeah, it's true. That's, uh, golly, dude, I don't even, every time I put that into, like, I think about that even when we're on the phone. That it, it still kind of blows my mind. I would say you're probably my oldest friend. That is, that's a well said statement because it's it's pretty well true. I know that you and Jubal Dodson and Blake Sadlin I've known since I was you know five years old, and and I guess prior to that probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine, uh, at least in the that circle of names you just named, I guess we probably all, or at least for me, I met all of you at the same time, because we had Blake and Jubal both in kindergarten. That is right. So, uh, and there's really not ever been a, there's not really been a large gap of time that you and I haven't went uh, without actually talking. I mean, I guess elementary school and then the middle school years was kind of the longest time, because, you know, we had the high school, the high school thing, and then kind of separated for college but i kept up with you think thanks to uh myspace i kept up with the wow. uh the pre-sleep nation time so you're getting you're getting ancient there man myspace yeah dude the what was his name tom he had the same profile picture for everybody had tom you had you had no choice to be friends with you know we got a we got a facebook movie when do we get a myspace movie it's long overdue it is you it's kind of like yeah. back to the future four long overdue I don't even know. Honestly, let's not put the evil on on back to the, the Back to the Future franchise. Can I just go ahead and say something right now? You can. About Back to the Future. The day that they remake Back to the Future, I'm going to write. It, it's going to be, I'm going to kick it like Westboro Baptist right. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go absolutely balls out angry on everyone involved in a remake of Back to the Future. That is the most perfect film ever put to cinema, and it should never be touched. Did you watch Ready Player One at all? No, you, you've already you said I needed to watch it, but I haven't yeah, you, yet. But I'll, I'll go out on a limb to say, uh, I won't do any spoilers, uh, especially if any of your listeners has spoiler alert. Yeah. Like with flashing lights. Um, I feel like if they tried to remake back to the future, the kid that played in that movie is probably the only human that I would cast as Marty McFly. Um, and it's not really a spoiler, but he also drives a DeLorean in that movie. So when I saw him, I was it's like, a kickback oh, to Steven, right? Or, yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like I'm pretty sure they made that movie as like the ultimate homage to him because yeah, I mean everything. But there, was, I forgot what it was. There's one thing that's not in that movie of his, and I, I think I think it might have been Jaws or something that he wouldn't allow in it. But there's one huh. thing I can't remember the details to that. But I'll have to kind of go back and, and not only rewatch the movie but do my my movie research. Didn't that movie almost not get made? Uh, I would because imagine, of the mechanical shark. I would. Oh, you talking about Jaws? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, they, they had so many, so much trouble with that shark. From what I understand, it was uh, almost ridiculous. Um, I don't even know where to begin with that movie. I 
I wish that uh, films were made that way, though, now. I love basic puppeteering and stuff like that in my movies. Oh, absolutely. I, I will I will choose puppeteering over CGI any day. First, The first two films that I think back to that used a lot of puppeteering, but they also used a little bit CGI, but it was kind of in that back and forth day was Jurassic Park and Terminator 2. Where you know the using both. You know the guy that did the stop motion, the one they hired for the puppeteering for the stop motion uh, in Jurassic Park. Originally, that was going to be all uh, his puppets, and when they found out that he was moving to CGI, that guy thought his career was over. Like it just it crushed him, and they brought him in, and they actually stop motioned. From the way I understood it, they stop motioned all the CGI, so it actually. Uh, Jurassic Park was actually going to be the death, was supposed to be the death of stop-motion animation, and they found a way to implement that into CGI. I think that's the most coolest thing ever, um, <clears throat> that such a, a raw form of art was saved in this like technological boom. Like Things like that are long gone now. Like oh, Some yeah. stop-motion stop is like a novelty now. I couldn't even uh, tell you the last stop-motion movie that was made. Uh, actually... Was that last? Well, did Corpse Bride come before or after Coraline? Ooh. No. No, What's the, the, that predated Coraline. But this just, uh, I guess it had to. That was like 06 or 07, Corpse Bride. Uh, there was a movie that just came out that was stop motion. Um, is it Was it called Hugo or something? It's a kid's movie. But I don't even know, like even in that world now, like you can do these huge stop motion productions and i still feel like there's a touch of cgi i mean when we were kids stop motion was that cloud is stop motion they didn't digitally add or anything or clean up anything it was as raw as it got that's right yeah well uh i hate to keep going on a cgi tangent but i know i'm pretty sure you feel about dinosaurs the way that i do do you remember those great like generic just called dinosaur movies that you would get as a kid and it would just be like the Triceratops eating grass, and it would just be stop motion or the oh, type the T Rex. Did they have? It was kind of like there was like comedy intertwined with it too, where the dinosaurs were like talking on TV or, or they were like newscasters. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Dude, that. I'm pretty sure that would put the fear of God in children today if we were like, "Hey, watch this! Watch this creepy stop motion animation movie." We had the we had the best era, Bram. It's just it's facts, man. I think every era says that, you know. Because, yeah, but not. I mean, if you were if I lived in the '60s and got to grow up like in my teenage years with '60s music, oh man, that would have been so great. And then I mean, you know, spent my twenties in the '70s. Uh, oh, so much great music! I could have but, saw Pink Floyd in there you know, prime. I can't argue that, that yeah. you got me beat. My point was going to be that, that we got to enjoy it all as a culmination, but then you got to bring up the point of, Oh, I would get to see insert whoever, you know, that would be like saying, I, you know, how I feel about him aside. That would be like saying, you know, oh, I get to see Jimi Hendrix live, you know? Yeah. Um, I, that, that would probably be the best experience, but not every, in in our defense, not every generation got to see uh, the birth of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So that is true. That that's well said. You know, well that's said. just that's, that's facts. And you know how it is. Like we're we're in our thirties now, 
And when you go to Walmart and you walk walk past the toy aisle or down the toy aisle, you have that moment where you're like, ah, you know, like, I wish we had this, but this was cooler. And I know that our parents did it too. Like when they saw our Transformers or even our Ninja Turtles that transformed from baby Ninja Turtles into grown ones, they were like, why didn't why we played with sticks and and we made fun of it, you know? And they were jealous. I don't care what, what anybody says. You think that's what it was? I know that's what it was. My dad, my dad was the quintessential. Um, I walked uphill both ways to go to school in the huh. snow. Like he, he made do with what he had, but he would also sit and, and kick on repeat with on Mortal Kombat with me when I was a kid too. So mm. they were jealous, man. It's Mortal facts. Kombat. Yeah, yeah. The game of games. I used to play that on Windows ninety eight on the computer. They had Mortal Kombat for computer in 98. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dude. There's Mortal Kombat not. 2, I think. I was mm-hmm. too busy playing uh I was too busy playing Spider uh, Spider-Man animation game and Math Blaster probably to keep up with uh what was going on in Windows 98. Yeah. Windows 98. I think I had a NASCAR game. Bunch of random, yeah. NASCAR I remember going, before I had a computer at my house, I remember going to my aunt and uncle and playing Duke Nukem and Doom. Oh, man, Doom. Uh, my cousin Ray lived in Paris, and he had a copy of Doom on his computer. And get it when we would go to Paris, getting to play Doom was like this experience of all experiences. Because not, it wasn't that my mom or dad wouldn't get me that game. It was just, it felt like it was like a privilege, you know, you got to go, you got to go and play doom and uh, Duke Nukem was amazing, but I had it on, uh, I think I had it on console, but I think it was Duke Nukem 64 or maybe uh, it was on. Well, that was, that was quite a bit after the computer game, Duke Nukem come out. Oh yeah. I mean, it Duke was Nukem totally 64 was way after that from what I remember. I don't remember the, the timeline. No, that was on windows 95. Did you have 95 or did you start out in 98? Mm, I'm sure I probably had like I remember Windows ninety five. I don't not exactly sure what I had in my actual home. It was either ninety five or ninety eight. I remember ninety five because I'd go to my aunt and uncle's house playing computer because they had a computer way before we did. But we we got one in. It wasn't in ninety five, but it had Windows ninety five on it. Um, and the only reason that I bring that up is because. The Happy Days. There was a, a disc called Encarta. I don't. I'm sure you know what Encarta is. The encyclopedias. Oh yeah. If you, on Encarta, if you looked up Weezer, that music video was on there, and it was my first introduction to Weezer. It blew my mind. Like it was almost like generational gapping or something. Like I showed it to my dad, who was a massive Happy Days fan, and he loved it, and I loved it. It was just like this weird hidden gem like i didn't for for years i didn't know anybody else knew who weezer was but me because i had this like random encyclopedia that had this weird song on it that forever that the I buddy holly was, song it was the yeah. buddy Ho- yeah. the buddy holly song yeah and when you're that age i mean 95 we were i was eight years old like i didn't understand that that wasn't happy days so it was just like this oh my god this is the greatest thing ever you know yeah but yeah, that's my uh, that's my weird Windows ninety five story. It's the only one I got. But speaking of stuff like that, like um, you guys, 
you guys kind of have always had a little bit of, of Weezer touch to me. First, I don't know if it's because everything mm. you do is fun. Uh, more visual, like, not necessarily going to compare your sound to Weezer, but, like, you know how Weezer was, man. Everything, it looked like it, hanging out with them would have been like hanging out with your buddies. You know, they were just always doing fun stuff. And uh, all your music videos kind of take me to that. It's, they're, they're always well, you've had a part in that because you've directed, <laughs> you've now directed Scream and Shout and Woman. But I can't take, I can't really take all the credit because I don't know how many people are actually aware of just how much conversation went into that. Like, I, I think I've probably plotted those two music videos out with you as much as I've plotted anything else out that I've done is like, as far as projects, like they were real brainchild birthings, you know, even just in, even as simplistic as scream and shout was, we probably went through like three or four different ways. Even that could have went before it was like, let's just go. And then every one of them seems like once we get to that point, it's like, I don't know. I trust you. And I'm assuming you trust me enough to be like, look, we can take whatever we get and make something cool out of it. Like, Look at look at the shoot for um, for woman. You know we we basically ad libbed everything, and it turned out cool as crap, in my opinion. Yeah, we we so. didn't really we had a rough draft of kind of what we wanted, and and you and I discussed a lot of times uh, scenes that we needed to shoot and that kind of stuff. So we had enough conversation built up that everything kind of flowed from there. But which is. Really weird for me because we have been friends for so long in that in that environment. I'm not really a a, a Spielberg esque guy where I'm like, this is what we got to do. Like, I enjoy the fact that I I know you're as professional as they come and and a showman. I mean, you're a showman. You've made videos for years prior to these, you know. So it's like uh, I kind of like the fact that all of the projects that we've had together have had that very organic feel, you know, like, uh, me catching certain moments of you just being you, uh, in the crowd with the the mannequin or, uh, just the way everything seems to flow together. And, and everybody in sleep nations very much showman, you know, like I feel, I feel like you guys should be a, uh, should be a comic book. Wonk, wonk, wonk. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Someday, it is. one day. Speaking uh, of comic close. books, are are you allowed to to speak upon that? Uh, I mean, as far as but the comic book that we're working on, no, no, no. Oh, I can I can go into into small detail about probably what will be my legacy if if that's what you're implying. Yeah, I'm talking about the store. The store. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess we could talk about that. Yeah. Um, my friend Brent Powers, who will probably listen to this now for sure, uh, actually is in the is in the motions of uh, trying to get a, a comic book store going here. I'm I'm going to partner up with him. Um, we might have uh, we might have a live band if we're lucky. You know, I mean, if you know anybody, we'll, we'll probably be looking for one anyway. And it, it's something that this town desperately needs. Um, I don't know. I know your listener base goes really farther away than McMinnville, but McMinnville is basically a ghost town. It's a very small town and it's a shell of its former self. And the kids here basically wander around. I mean, the woman video is a prime example of, uh, just what it, 
what it's like to just have random people with nothing to do in, in the younger generations. And I've been a comic book fan since I was seven years old. So getting the opportunity to even be a small part of something like that's phenomenal, you know, and uh, maybe we'll get lucky and you guys will be like the monkeys, man, and, and the Partridge family. And we can have a Sleep Nation comic book in there one day. I know I it would be pretty amazing. But also, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take uh, before you say. I stopped you in the middle of your thought. I don't. I don't want you guys to end up to be like the Partridge family. <laughs> I. I totally put that evil on you, and unless you're perfectly fine with being David Cassidy, and if you are, I will support you. Well, when I think of comic books and rock bands, I, I think of more like uh, Coding Cambria or or Kiss. Yeah, I wasn't you really got, thinking of Partridge Family or the Monkeys. I, I don't. But you know, I don't want to take away. You know, the monkeys did have a pretty good show. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Um, the monkeys, that era of of TV and music. Let's see. There was the Partridge Family. There was the Monkeys. I didn't. Wasn't like the Beatles. Didn't they have an animated show? Was Yellow Submarine an animation or something at one it time? It was. Well, I don't think it was a TV show. I just think it was a a movie. Or yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. And then there was, I feel like there was something that we're missing that, well, I mean, aside from the Brady Bunch, but I don't count them. Could you count um, Schoolhouse Rock? You know, they, I would, had some, they had some jammers. Yeah, I mean, it's right there in the title, man. Yeah. They, they rocked. You know, Schoolhouse Rock was awesome. Uh, all those, that that whole entire era, era of, uh, well, you, you touched on it too, getting to grow up in the 60s. Like, I would have loved, if anything, which Nick at Night kind of allowed it, but I would have loved to have grown up with uh, Bewitched coming on live or I Dream of Genie. Those shows were uh, simplistic and raw, and and I, I love classic television probably more uh, more so than anything aside from Home Improvement that came on in the '90s. Almost, I would say. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's it. You got it. You got it way better than way better than I do. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, as far as like TV and I wish that there was some way that they would bring back those, I think one was called like Midnight Special, you know, where they would just have bands come and play songs and stuff. And it was, yes, you know, I know, I know the UK still has something of that live at Jules Holland or something like that. I don't know if you ever watched that, but. I've seen I it have, a few yeah. times. Yeah. What was the, uh, but they were, you know, late night shows like we have now, they're, they're basically a, a shell of what they, what they used to have. Like what you said, you know, it was, uh, it was more so revolving around the musical act. And then you did the interview than it was, you know, Oh, they're just here promoting their new album. Like some of those older shows, they bring you in for a whole time. And then, some of them even had uh, around Halloween or uh, Christmas or something. They had full-blown specials. Like, who has a full-blown special anymore? This house shows how much of a, of a rock and roller I am. I, I don't have cable television, and even if I did, I'm probably in bed before, you know, anything com- like that comes on. So, oh, man, if you had I'll cable watch it on TV. Hulu. You had cable TV though. You would you would be missing out on all the great things like uh, the Jeffersons live, like all these weird. Uh, suddenly these live 
performances of stuff like grease and things like that's become just the booming thing to do now it, it's really spun me for a loop yeah well because sooner or later it's coming i mean beetlejuice has a uh, has a broadway musical going on right now oh, that's sooner right. or later that's right go ghostbusters is going to have something like that happen they're going to have the movie it's going to explode and next thing you know we're going to get bill murray singing and dancing on uh, on tv like in scrooged it's going to be just like Scrooged. Are you excited for the new Ghostbusters? Yeah. Yeah, I'm as, I'm as excited as I would assume you are. Uh, just because I know who's in control of it. Like, you can't have you can't have that whole full circle. What is it? And his son. It's the original guy's son, right? That's kind of taking reins on him. Ivan Rettman's uh, son is directing this one, I think. Yeah, I mean, you you can't fail. And I know you and I have went over it before uh off off of a podcast about how we felt about this last one i mean you can't drop the ball on this movie like just the teaser trailer just was enough for, for me to get you know goosebumps it was just i don't know man it's probably aside from jurassic world when jurassic jurassic world came out it's probably the most thing from my childhood i'm most excited to see and that includes king of the monsters which was just retarded nuts good Retarded nuts, good. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean that's just it blew my mind, man. Yeah, I've, I, I've totally taken your podcast over and turned it into uh, talk about movies and TV, though. Hey, man, I told you I was going to split it up, so that's true. I, and I totally, uh, I totally anticipated us to go straight into one of one of our driving to practice tangents about like the greatest album of all time. I literally prepared for that. I was like, we're going to talk a lot about, I, I didn't know album. we were going to go in the greatest album of all time. Oh, it's a new segment on sleep nation station podcast. The greatest <laughs> album of all time. That was, I, I feel like we took that to the level of, um, uh, Something that would have been said when somebody got called for the prices right, man. Da, 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 da. Oh, what is that? What is that? Da, 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 da. That's fa- is that Family Feud? Maybe it is. I don't know. I thought it was Prices Right. I don't, I don't know. How does the Prices Right song go? I don't know. Probably that exact same way. They were all written in the same time, I think. Probably by the same guy. Mm. But Family Feud, man. It's like the the coolest game show of all time. Who's your favorite? Host of Family Feud? Yeah. I'm going to go with Steve Harvey probably. Just because uh, his reactions to what's said and and just in general, is it's just too priceless, dude. And now that it's 2019, you know, the questions, I guess they've probably always been a little uh, adult-themed or at least try to get you to go into the adult uh, themed world, but when somebody pops off something random, like his face looks like it will literally slide off of his skull sometimes, and he just cracks me up, man. He's hilarious. He's got he's got some great um like faces that he does. Yeah, he I, I'll have to agree. I, I would probably put him as number one, and number two, I would put is Louis Anderson. Oh yeah, I mean you can't you can't take nothing away from any any man that has a has an animated cartoon made after himself and gets to host Family Feud. He might need to be in a Hall of Fame somewhere. And and now, have you seen him in Baskets on FX? 
No. Oh my gosh. So Zach Galifianakis plays twin brothers in this show on FX called Baskets, and Louis Anderson plays his mom, and <laughs> it is excellent. Louis Anderson is great as a mother. I mean, you I, you think that you forget that he's a you forget that he's a male. He does a great and, job, and not in the not in the like really awkward Tyler Perry way, like because I feel like I feel like Louis Anderson is that guy that if I watch this show, I'm gonna be like, wow, you haven't aged at all. Like people, there's certain people in in movies where you're just like, you always see them as one way, and I feel like that's gonna happen. Like whether he looks like he's 110 or not, like I'm gonna be like, man, Louis doesn't look like he's aged a drop. Look at that's him, right. bro. Yeah. So back to the. What what do we call it? The greatest album of all time? All time. What what is the greatest album of all time? Are we are we going all is all time very vague or are we making it so that like the greatest album of all like the greatest rock album of all time? I don't know. We'll we'll just say, you know, all across the board. What's the greatest album of all time? Dark side, man. That that's a good it have to for for me personally. It have to be like yeah. the minute that I heard that album, it was just like, "What's real and what isn't?" You know, I put it right up there with the same like euphoric experience I had the first time I had I heard Tool. You know, you just you don't forget the first time you heard Dark Side, especially if you heard it if you were lucky enough like I was, and I think like you might have been too to hear it on vinyl for the first time. Like, that was how I was introduced to Pink Floyd on vinyl. And it was just like, oh, my God, what is this? What is real? See, I appreciate Dark Side, but for some reason, I've always, I've always held the wall in a lot higher light. And I, I don't necessarily know why. I guess because I've always been in that, that, like, cut of people or cut of, like, Pink Floyd fans. I don't think Dark Side is the end all be all of what oh. they did, but I mean it's definitely you know in their top three albums. But for for some reason, The Wall was just groundbreaking for me. It's because listening to The Wall was like listening to an audio book of a movie. Yeah, you know, like you. You didn't have to visualize it. They were painting the picture for you, and you didn't even know it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then the movie, and then you got to see the movie, which uh, oddly enough, in the Walls case, I saw the movie before I listened to the whole album. Which I guess it really doesn't. Oh wow! Yeah, I guess it really doesn't matter uh, what order you see them in, but um, and that movie will mess you up. I mean, you know how it was seeing that movie as a young kid. But to to make my point just well rounded. I think I also hold Dark Side of the Moon in such high regards as the greatest, like, air quotations rock album of all time because of what we did in ninth grade. We we turned the whole school on to Pink Floyd. Yeah, we changed lives, man, with uh, a Wizard of Oz presentation. I don't know, you know, but we, I don't, only one grade saw what that. So I don't know how these other grades like caught on to the the magic of Pink Floyd. In a school that size, 
two individuals play the Wizard of Oz and what could only be interpreted as an acid trip at the same time and they go together, you suddenly become legends, man. Like we might as we might as well have, you know, pants the teacher during an assembly. You know, just like we were we were uh we were rock gods, dude. Like we could have started throwing TV TVs out of hotel windows and wouldn't even got charged for it. 